0: Well, it's so good to be with you this morning to continue your studies in the book of Luke. We're going to look to Luke chapter 8, and we're going to be reading together this morning from around verse, yeah, starting off verse number 4. And while you're finding that, I want to tell you about one of my latest projects. At the start of this season, I looked out, and at the side of our house, there is a piece of ground. It had been a piece of waste ground that we had managed to get our hands on. And the aim was to turn it into a bit of garden space. So, we got it levelled. We got some topsoil. And we got some seeds scattered. Well, it was interesting to see a seed eventually germinating, growing. And over time, I battled with that little piece of ground. There's a weed, I don't know if you've ever met it before. It's called mare's tail. It's a nightmare. It comes up everywhere. And as I battled through to try and eradicate that problem, I then discovered it's Belfast. And in Belfast, we've got lots of clay. And clay is obviously very soggy. It's very damp. And so I didn't just have mare's tails in the garden. I'd also got moss. And moss, spongy moss. So I headed off to try and get some different things to put into action. And I managed to get some products that would kill the moss. That was great. It wiped it out, left it nice and dark black, and we sowed some seed again. And so I came across another problem. Because not only then did you get rid of the moss, but then that left space for new weeds to grow. And this just went on and on and on. So I decided at the start of the season, this was going to be the year. And I went and I got hired out a scarifier and an aerator. And I went for it. There was hardly any grass left by the end of the aeration. Uh, There were these large holes that were dug in it, and I got some sand. Now, not the you can buy this horticultural sand that's really expensive. I just went for builder sand. And we got it, and we spread it over, and we spread some new seed. And you know what was interesting? There was one little patch as we were sowing out. I thought I was going to dig to find out what was in under there. And as I was digging to find out what was in underneath there, I found in that area what the problem had been all along there we go two large brig breeze blocks and there they were they were just under the level of the the soil and i couldn't work out why the grass wasn't growing in that area until i got the spade out and when i dug down and i got those two out i was able to fill it back up with topsoil sow some seed so the grass could grow again and you know, with that, just the last number of months, I have to say, I have quite a bit of experience now with all things agriculture and horticulture. Um, so I will, I'll be able to give you an update the next time I see you on what has happened. There's some grass growing at the moment, um, but we'll, we'll see what happens by the end of the season. You say, well, why are you telling us that? Well, it's interesting because what I've been learning from the garden, I can see reinforced in this passage this morning. And we're going to see spiritual lessons here that we can reflect upon this morning. And we're just praying that as God will speak to us now as we look to his word and read from verse number four. It says, And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. He sowed. Some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear." And the ones on the rock are those that when they heard the word, they received it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in the time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, Hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Verse 19, then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. And he answered them, my, brother, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. No, it's interesting. I'm sure uh, this morning, if I was to ask you, well, what is a parable? Maybe takes you back to your GCSE days of uh, your GCSEs days of, of sitting down to study RE, and you maybe learnt off that little um, that little definition: an earthly story, uh, or, or an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And that's true. But actually, I want to see here this morning that there's two purposes to parables, and we see that from this passage. One is that there is truth revealed through the story. But also, the other truth that we see here is that a parable is also, for some, it's a concealing of truth. Those who have that hardened heart towards truth, their heart becomes hardened that they don't hear it, that they don't understand it. And this is where Jesus then points them back to Isaiah chapter 10. And he says, he uses that quotation, he says, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they're in parable, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. You see, this revelation from God is a work of God. For us to be able to see and understand truth. it requires God to work within our lives, to open up and to give us a revelation. And that's where the the result, there is a result and change then in heart. It's not we come to understanding because we've great intellect or because we've good understanding. It's ultimately because God comes and he works in our lives and he opens our eyes to be sensitive to what it is that he's saying to us so that we'll be willing to accept the truth of the word of God. Those who then who are hard-hearted, it is spoken about here, are those who aren't willing to accept that truth. There's that hardness, there's that coldness. There's no not willing to accept what it is that God is, is saying. So let's look at the parable. It's Jesus starts off by explaining that this sower is going out to sow seed. Now, I want us to think for a moment what that actually looks like. Because in agricultural times, back in Bible times, things would have been done a little bit different than things would be done today. The farmer would go out, he would go out into his land, and he would go out, and over the whole land, he would scatter the seed. So from one corner of the field to the other, the seed would be sown. And as he would sow that seed, I want us to see this implement. If you can keep going for me. You can see this implement. It's, it's a plow. It's a plow from Bible times. And this plow, would go down, and it would be used then after the seed had been sown. And that's, that plough would go through the ground, and it would cut up, and it would turn over the soil so that the seed would be on the, the underside of, of, of that topsoil. And then that seed would get to work. But you know, the, the, the farmer, he mightn't be aware of what's in that ground until the plough starts to move. There'll be areas of, of, of that ground where the plough will move quite quickly, quite smoothly, and the process will be not hindered in any way. But there will be other areas where that, where that plough goes in, the plough will maybe come to an abrupt stop. That is, it's stuck on some ground, something that's in the ground, something that's stopping it do its work, stopping it turn it over the soil. And you see, that the, the person who was sowing maybe wasn't aware of the conditions of the soil. And that's what helps us to understand what is happening in this passage. The idea is that the seed has been sown, and as that seed has been sown, you'll see different, four different results that we are told about. Okay, We've got seed, first of all, then, that, that falls upon the path. And when we think about that path, we think of what happens to the seed that's on the path. That seed, as it falls upon the path, it's trod upon. And we also here read about how that there's an action of someone to come down and to steal away the seed. We read of the devil's action of coming down, removing the seed before there's actually any potential of the seed germinating. So as that seed has gone down, we see that there is something that's stopping their having the impact. And what is being taught here is that, obviously, as hearers, we have hearts, hearts that respond to the Word of God. And we know that for us to come to understand the truth of the Word of God, we need to hear the Word of God. That's the first action. We've got to hear it. And there are so often strategies that the devil will use to try and help us not to hear the truth of the Word of God. There are perhaps our own desires. There might be those things that take away our attention. We might get caught up in different worldviews or different ideas that are floating about in the world around us. And in all of that time of, of our busyness, of our minds being taken up with other things, that seed as it lands upon that ground that is hardened as the path, it's quickly set upon by the birds. The birds come down, they remove that seed, and so we see that actually the hearer, he's not hearing with understanding as a result of that. He's not able to take in the truth of, of the Word of God. We know as we've been saying, faith comes by hearing. We then have that other gr- uh, the ground, that rocky ground, And we're going to look at that for a moment. And what we see here is that the result of seed falling in this ground is that it grows up quickly. But then when the heat of the day comes up, it withers. And it withers because there's a lack of moisture. The lack of moisture that's able to sustain its growth. The germination has happened but there's not that long-term growth as a result of that. And I'm sure around Bible times and those hilly mountainsides, many who would have sown seed would have known what it was like to have this type of of ground. There wasn't the nutrients within the soil that would be able to sustain the life of that little growth of that little little seed that had started to, to grow. And so it is with, as we think of what is being taught here, we're thinking of how that ultimately the Spirit of God teaches us from the Word of God. And we think of that person perhaps who initially responds, but then perhaps doesn't go any further. The third type of ground then that we're seeing is the seed then that falls, and, and it falls in ground where there is other seed that has been sown as well. For any gardeners among you, um, you'll perhaps not like to see a child with a dandelion, because as you know as they blow, those little seeds they go out, and they'll go and they'll start to grow among the other things that are growing in your garden. And the idea really here is that as the seed of the Word of God is being sown, that there are other things that are growing alongside it. Other things that will grow up and choke it out, and will prevent that initial seed of growing. And we can think of lots of things in our lives that can be like that, things that can take over our lives, things like busyness, things that we can spend time upon that prevent the Word of God from having its intended action within our lives. We know what it is, is as those who perhaps at times are caught up with just worries in this world and being caught up with things that concern us. And sometimes we're so concerned about about different things that actually the, the Word of God does not actually get to have its impact upon our lives. We don't then know what it is to have the peace of God in the middle of what it is that God is bringing us through at that time. There may be things that can hold us back, different stuff, that can hold us back from God having his way in our lives. Sometimes we'll prioritize those other things over what it is that God is saying to us. And we can end up accumulating just stuff for the sake of it. And then, of course, there's our own sinful hearts, that own sinful desires that are within us that can raise up its head and can hinder God's word having its way within us in our lives. It prevents us from maturing to the stage that God would want us to mature to. You then have the fourth type of soil. And when we come to the fourth type of soil, it's a totally different picture here. The picture here is of a um, 100-fold yield. That is each little seed abundantly producing in the way that it was intended to. Now, that's something special, particularly when you look back over those other types of soil, those other types of ground. This is altogether different. This good soil that has received the seed, it has produced the way that it was intended to. And isn't that what the Word of God is able to do? When our hearts are are open, as we were thinking earlier on this morning, where our our hearts are like that sponge where it's willing to accept what it is that God is saying to us at that time. And I noticed something here, a, a term that is used Um, A term that is used down there, and it speaks about how the heart of the one who responds is is, is one who has an honest and good heart. I thought that was an interesting term, an honest and good heart. And yet that seems at odds, doesn't it, to what Jeremiah would tell us about our hearts. Jeremiah would tell us that our hearts are deceitful above all things. They're they're desperately wicked is is the term that is used there by Jeremiah as he considers the heart of an individual. And yet here, the heart of a person that responds to the Word of God is being described as an honest and a good heart. What is it that has made the difference? Well, it's ultimately, it's the response of the heart. And as that heart responds to the Word of God, that heart is renewed. That heart changes. It's no longer the way it used to be. It is accepting truth, and it's prepared to accept truth. The truth of the Word of God. So that's our challenge as we come to the Word of God, that we will let God's Word speak into our hearts, that we'll change as a result of what it is that God is speaking or saying into our lives. And there are perhaps periods of our lives where our hearts could be characterized at times of perhaps a dryness, where our lives at times, our hearts might be described by a coldness, where that heart is not perhaps willing to fully accept because there are other things that are crowding in, other things taking our time, taking our attention. And that's the time when we, we come back and we repent. That's that time when we come back, we ask for forgiveness, where we open our heart up to what it is that God is saying to us. We, we respond and perhaps this morning you're here and you're here this morning and you're thinking about this truth of the word of God. The truth of the word of God convicts us. It tells us about our problem of our sin. It tells us about that barrier, that, that way of how that our way to God has been blocked because of our sin. But the Bible tells us about how that Jesus, the son of God, came down and died upon the cross, the death that we deserve for our sin. He was punished so that we could be forgiven, so that we could know what it is to have a Savior in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that truth as that I shared with you this morning. Your heart can accept that truth, can agree with God, saying, yes, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't be in heaven because of my sin, but because of Jesus, because of his death, I can have forgiveness. I can know what it is to come into relationship with the Almighty God. And if your heart responds in that way, you will have salvation. As we, those of us who are believers, as we come to the Word of God, as we read the truths of the Word of God each day, as we see what it is that God is saying to us, our hearts also need to be in that responsive mode, that mode where we're prepared to take God at His Word, to agree with God as to what He is saying, and that we'll be prepared to be the people who will change, to be on the same page as God. Let us look again at these four uh, soil conditions again. You see, this one on the left, I want you to think if that's the one in a way that hasn't responded to faith. And when you won't look to the one at the right, you see if what the potential impact is of a, a seed falling on that good soil and producing the 100 fold. And when we look at those two that are in between, as we look at them there and we see the difference in those two, we see here the impact of what our hearts are potentially like this morning. Perhaps there are those things that are crowding in upon our lives that are taking up our time, that are taking away our attention from hearing what it is that God is saying to us. Perhaps we have started off and then fallen away. It's an opportunity again this morning to come back to God, to come back in asking for forgiveness and asking him to come in and to have his way in our lives. That's the little parable of the sower. And we then go in in verse 16 to this idea of a lamp that has been lit and, and put under a jar. Quite a, a difficult concept, perhaps today to understand. What would this have been like? We, we're used to walking into a room and flicking a light switch, and the light going on, and the light being f- then filling the room. But what you have here in these times, you would have people who are having to get down a lamp, having to light it, having to set it up on on something that's quite high in the room, so that the light there will be able to pierce the darkness, and so that people will be able to see what is around them, and what. What being said to us here is that no one, after they would light a lamp like that, no one will, will set something then on top of it so that the light can't go out. The light, the purpose of it is to show brightness in every corner of, of that room. And here as we think of this light being taken, being lifted up, we think of how that light shows us the way. It shows us the way that we ought to go. It shows us the way of God. It reveals, if you like, as the Word of God is like this, it reveals the truth of the Word of God to us. And in a world today of darkness, in a world today of confusion, in a world today that in effect has turned its back upon what God says and upon God's Word, we have that opportunity to hold up the light of the Word of God because it helps us to understand the confusion that's around us. It helps us to understand what we see. It helps us to make sense of the world around us because it's in, under the light of the Word of God that we see the truth being lived out. And as we look forward past what we're experiencing now and we look further into the, into the future. We see that plan that God has throughout all those ages. And that light is the light shines into our lives each day. It's that light that shows up the little corners of our lives. Those areas are out of alignment those areas that are out of step with God, it exposes our sin. It exposes the points in our lives that are wrong, and it brings us as a people of God to that place where we come and we confess what is wrong, and where we then are prepared to move forward with God, knowing what it is to be forgiven. It's important how we You see, one of the things here is it's important for us to understand how to react when we realize we're wrong. We have to be prepared to come in confession and to deal with the sin in our lives. Stories told of a man who, he bought a microscope. And in the part of the world that he lived in, rice was their staple diet. And that evening as he had his microscope sitting out on the table beside him as he began to eat, he just took a little sample of the rice and he put it on a little microscope slide. And he slid it then in underneath the microscope. And as he looked down through, he could then see that little grain magnified. And as he looked at what he had been eating, he noticed that there were little living things that were creeping all over that rice. Now, this was his staple diet. He had been eating this stuff for years. And what was his response? Well, his response was that he took the microscope out and he smashed it up outside quite strange, isn't it? But yet, when we think of it, sometimes people don't like to see things how they actually are. And they end up what they end up doing is they end up wanting to distort reality so that they can, they can continue living the way they do. And so when the, the Word of God does shine its light upon our lives, it's important that we're prepared to agree with what it is that God has said, that we're prepared to go forward with His view and not our own. So in verse 18, we have this, this, this term, this warning. Jesus says, take care then how you hear. You see, we're got, we've got to be active hearers. Those who will hear, who will respond, who will align to the word of God. And in verses then 19 through to 21, we hear an interesting little insight into the family of the Lord Jesus And in looking at the family of the Lord Jesus, we see the arrival here of Mary and the stepbrothers of the Lord Jesus. And they're here and they're there to share in this experience of Jesus teaching the multitude that was around him. And there's such a crowd that they can't get near. And so the message is brought to the Lord Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. Now, in Jesus' response, I don't want you to think that he was being disrespectful towards Mary or indeed his brothers. What it really he's doing here, he's making the point actually about what it is that makes a person part of the family of God. What it is that makes you have that, if you like, the DNA. What is it that is distinctive about being a member of his family? And he's very clear. What it means to be part of his family is that you hear his word and that you obey it. You hear his word and you obey it. Those are those who belong to the family, those who hear the word and who are prepared to respond to it. Back in, over in John 10, Jesus taught about sheep there, but he taught the same, he was teaching really the same idea, the idea of those sheep who would hear his voice, and in hearing his voice, they would respond to it. He knew who they were. And they, in hearing him, would follow him. And so we, as those of us who are believers in Jesus, we, ought, we have to hear from him. We have to be prepared to obey him. We have to be prepared to do what it is that he is asking us to do in his word. And as we receive God's word, and as we're prepared to align ourselves to it, he will reveal then more truth to us. But of course, the opposite is true as well. If we refuse to align ourselves to the Word of God, we ultimately will be those who will lose out. In the book of Revelation, we read about a church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. That was a church that was described as being lukewarm. To them, they thought they had life sorted out. They had enjoyment, they had comfort, that everything they needed. Life was good. And yet, what we see here in Revelation 3 is that it's a totally different assessment that the Lord makes of that church. Because as he looks down upon it, he actually describes what he sees as being wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. Totally different. But why? Because their hearts were not warm. Their hearts weren't responding to the truth of the Word of God. They were caught up with other things other things that were distraction, other things that were holding them back from developing in the way that God would want them to develop. And so really that begs us, I suppose, the question this morning as we come to a close, am I really succeeding at life at the things that really matter? Am I succeeding at the things in life actually that really matter? Am I receiving God's word? Am I obeying it? Am I aligning myself to the Word of God? Am I letting God's Word be the light in my life? You see, those are measures of true spiritual success. Do we hear God's Word? Do we obey it? Do we align ourselves to what God is saying? Do we let God have His way in our lives? And so I want to finish just with those, uh, those words from Galatians chapter 6, where Paul is encouraging those to not be weary in doing good. Because he tells those believers there that in due season, in due season they will reap. You see, there's a certainty there that in doing the right thing, in hearing his word, in responding to it, that there will be a reward, there will be a harvest. And his word to them is, don't give up. His word to them is, keep going. Make sure that our lives are producing something that is significant, something that is worthwhile. I told you earlier about my little bit of grass. It's, going to take, it's been taking up a, a bit of time in the evenings, and I'll be cutting it, and I'll be keeping an eye for those weeds in the season ahead. I'll be maybe even feeding it at an odd time as well, but there's going to be time spent to make sure that it's going to change. And it's the same with our own lives as well when we decide that things are going to change, we need to be prepared then to listen to God. We need to be prepared to spend time with him, that he will speak into our lives and that we will obey him and that we will go forward being a people who are different, being a people who are responsive, who are producing something that is significant in this world that God has placed us in. Let's just close in prayer. Father, this morning we just want to thank you for your word. We thank you for how your word speaks to us. Your word opens up for us truth so that we're able to understand it. We just thank you, Father, for through your word showing us our sin, showing us that distance that we are from you, but also, Father, explaining to us the wonderful truth of your love, your grace, and your mercy. And Father, each of us who have placed our faith in Jesus here this morning, we know what it is to be forgiven. We know what it is to be brought into that family of God. Father, we pray for those who haven't made that step of faith yet, that this morning will be that time where they'll respond to that truth, where they'll agree with you, and Father, where they'll accept Jesus as their Savior. And Father, for those of us that are believers, Father, we just pray that as your, word, as your word is dwelt in it, as we dwell in it, Father, as we look to you, that you would speak to us through your word. We just pray that you'd help us to respond to it. Father, as you put your finger upon those areas in our lives that are out of alignment, help us that we'll be in subjection to your word. Help us to be willing just to do what you asked us to do, that you would have your way in our lives Indeed, Father, that our lives would produce in the way that you would want them to produce. Oh, help us, Father, we pray, that we will live lives that will glorify you, that will honor you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.